Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about a technique to help victims and survivors of coercive control to get some power back when the narcissist tries to wear you down by getting you to engage in arguments. So if you've ever felt completely drained by the constant drama of being roped into arguments to fight for your position in life, then this episode is for you. Or maybe you're dealing with shared custody and the coercive control is still going on in text messages and phone calls, which is still trying to have some ownership over you and what you do with your life even after the separation then again this episode is for you or maybe you have broken up and you are getting love bombed and manipulated into second guessing your choice to end the relationship and the persistent messages are making you feel weaker and questioning whether you have made the right choice again this episode is for you So before narcissists respond to you putting healthy boundaries in place, they first need to know that they cannot use psychological manipulation to try and get their way. So what is this method that I'm going to speak about in this episode? It's called the grey rock method. And let's dive in now into the show and find out more about what it is and why it can be so effective. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back any time you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Today's sponsor is Find the Good, Be the Good Facebook group. This group is a platform for anyone and everyone to be inspired by stories of everyday people either finding the good or being the good in the world today. The group is also there for you to share your stories in writing or on video of where you have either found the good or were the good in your day. The more we find the good and the more we be the good, the happier we become and the more this happiness flows on to everyone we encounter. If you would like to join the group, go to Find the Good, Be the Good on Facebook. You can also find a link in the episode notes. Hello, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs. This is the third episode in a three-part series which covers some topics about narcissists and some of the telltale signs of gaslighting and love bombing. If you haven't listened to the episode on gaslighting and love bombing, 
as yet, I suggest that you go back after this and listen to these episodes as they have lots of examples of the types of things which typically happen in the cycle of abuse where these things are part and parcel of it and it's really good to go back and listen because there's lots of red flags in there which will help you to understand whether these things are happening to you in your relationship. It's fantastic to know the red flags, as I said, to to look out for because once you understand, you know, what the red flags are, then you are able to start working out how to go about starting to get back control over your life again. Now, breaking free from a cycle of abuse is complex and it's often very frightening. No matter how much the victim might want to end the cycle of abuse, the perpetrator of the abuse can become more dangerous than ever before when they sense that they are starting to lose control. So there is an old saying, desperate times call for desperate measures. And this can be applied in lots of different ways to, you know, things that happen in life. It can be applied to a time where, you know, you're in crises just say that, you know, there've been bushfires or something, then you'll notice that, you know, there'll be desperate measures, there'll be, you know, lots of emergency services coming to help the victims of the bushfire. And it's the same in lots of different things in life. So people will come forward and they'll give you aid. And this is just an example of, you know, what happens in desperate times then lead to desperate measures and they call for desperate measures. So it's also, you know, really true for the victim and the perpetrator of abuse. And I'll explain what I mean by that. The victim will desperately want to find a way to find some peace, sanity and an ability to regain control to be able to actually be able to manage day-to-day life again. So it can be a very desperate situation when you're caught in a cycle of abuse. And to be able to do this, to get this, you know, normal life back again, the victim will be desperately looking for ways to move back towards this. And all the while, the victim will have an awareness that anything that they might do might trigger the perpetrator to ramp up the abuse. So all of this, you know, coercive control and control and manipulation that goes on in abusive relationships is there to disempower victims and it is also there to scare them, to frighten them. And when you're scared and frightened, you are, you know, you're on the back foot So that gives the person who is causing you to feel frightened to have the upper hand. So I'm not going to go into, you know, 
any psychology about this, okay? I'm just speaking in general terms and a lot of this, you know, has come from, you know, research that I have done and then there's also, you know, my first-hand experience which I always bring into these conversations about abuse because that's where I come from is from a place of being a victim and a survivor of an abusive relationship. So wherever it's relevant, I'll, you know, bring in stories and share them with you to give you some reference to know um, that maybe similar things are happening to you in your life. Now, I'm just going to talk about, this is just a bit of an aside, okay, um, but it's something that does happen quite often. Now, police sometimes get frustrated with victims of abuse because they help the victim by getting the victim to the court and they get the court to provide the victim with either a restraining order or, as we refer to it here in Australia, an AVO. But what happens is that the victim is terrified by the consequences that they will face from the perpetrator by taking a stand against them because what they're doing effectively is finally asking the perpetrator to be accountable and responsible to the court for their behaviours. And the last thing that a perpetrator wants is to be held accountable a narcissist never wants to take responsibility for anything. So up until that point where you haven't involved the authorities, it's a real cat and, ga- cat and mouse type of game. But once the authorities become involved, it takes things to another level. And this other level can have very real consequences, not just psychological consequences for victims and victims are very aware of this fear of what might come next as a repercussion for them having the courage to stand up and um, put a legal boundary in place to try and keep themselves safe. So What happens because of this very real fear that victims feel is that they will quite often go back to the court and um, they will get the restraining order or the AVO altered or lifted if they can. And um, now magistrates here in Australia are very, very reluctant to remove an AVO when it has been granted as they have a very good understanding of the victim's very real need to have a legal covering. So once that covering is in place, they're very reluctant to take that covering away. Now, as was the case for me, the police initially helped me to get an AVO and the terms were full so that my ex could not even communicate with me or the children unless it was through the courts. And um, if you're like me and like what I was, I did not have an understanding really of what the terms of the AVO meant 
not only did I not understand what the terms meant, but I didn't understand the part that I had to play in those terms. So just for example, you know, when I started out, I was so naive that when my partner contacted me, I wasn't clear, my ex-partner, when he contacted me, I wasn't clear that he had actually breached the intervention order or the AVO in the first place. And I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to respond to his communication. So this often happens. It's very, um, it happens very frequently, which makes me also um, give thought to doing an episode on, and I can't give legal advice. That's, you know, I'm certainly not in a position to be giving legal advice. And I empathize because I know uh, with my situation that there was a lot of technological stalking. And so my devices were not uh, private for me. So that meant that, you know, I couldn't access my PC at home to do any searches on AVOs and the terms to perhaps gain more of an understanding about what the terms meant and the part that I needed to play as the applicant on that order. So that is what I would encourage you to do um, is to make some, do some research of your own. Now, if you're in a position like I was where you feel as though your technology is not secure, that you don't, you're not guaranteed that your partner or your ex-partner is not stalking you on those devices. Um, If you feel that you are at risk with your technological devices, then what I would suggest to you is that you take yourself off to a public library. Um, A public library is a great place to go and do some private research and without the fear of um, being found out about what you are actually trying to inform yourself about or educate yourself about. Yeah, that's just something that I wish I would have known at the time to access information that way because I was very much in the dark about lots of things and I at that time felt as though you know I was supposed to have all the answers but there was nobody really helping to educate me to know exactly how I needed to make that AVO or intervention order or restraining order really effective in terms of the law. So I, my um, encouragement to you is to try and educate yourself as much as you can through, you know, different channels. And um, there are some free legal services where you can tap into some free legal advice on things like this, which may help you also. But again, I will just make that um, disclaimer that I am not giving you any legal advice in this podcast. So going back to what often happens is that, you know, victims, as I said, will, you know, either try and remove the order altogether out of fear um, or they'll do what I did, which was alter the order. And so what I did is I, I took off all the terms of the order 
except for that my ex-partner was not allowed to commit any family violence. So I'm so grateful that the magistrate would not remove the order. I'm so glad that the magistrate left that order in place because it was within weeks that I was back to the court pleading with the court to reinstate the the full order because there were so many acts of you know family violence that you know all the stalking was everything was ramping up and everything was getting worse and I needed protection so that you know I'm just from my experience when I started down that process of getting some sort of legal covering I know that it's supposed to do the job. It's supposed to be a deterrent to perpetrators to actually say, ease up. You need to really watch yourself with your behavior. You can't be doing the things that you're doing because if you do, there will be a legal consequence that you will face. And um, and that is supposed to be that deterrent there to prevent them from continuing with the behaviors that um that are just not on they're not on with you know in general terms and they're not on legally so that's making a very clear line in the sand and saying if you cross this line then you've got to answer to the court however the way that the justice system works is that it's not that quick with following up with um, these types of things and that was certainly the case for me that there were many many breaches to the the AVO there were many incidents and um, many of them uh, there was not enough evidence to substantiate them and it took me time and lots of diligent sort of record keeping to validate what was happening to me to a point where the police had enough evidence to actually hold my ex-partner accountable for the things that he did and then there's the next step in the the process which is to have it heard in court and that can be very protracted and all the while what happens for the victim is the victim is left to feel vulnerable and like I felt I felt like I was a sitting duck I didn't feel as though um, that the police were going to be able to protect me when I needed to be protected because it always took time for them to get there so these fears are very real for victims and this is a big part of you know there are police who understand that this is what happens to victims of abuse and this is a very big reason why victims of abuse are too afraid to go forward and seek help from the police or go that step further and seek help from the court to give them a legal covering. So those risks are very real and they shouldn't be dismissed by anybody but unfortunately not all police understand that that is it isn't that victims are um, unable to, you know, make 
these decisions, it's that the pressure that they feel from the very real fears that they face of how vulnerable they are when they take a stand against a perpetrator or an abuser. So I hope that 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 was a little off topic, but it was very much on my heart to talk about um, because this grey rock method that I am going to go through in this episode will work for some and may not work for others, okay? And I just want to be clear about that because I don't want to um, give you an idea that this is a one-size-fits-all solution, okay? It may work for you and it may not, okay? So we'll run through it and well, I'll just talk more about it as we as we move along. So, um, all right, so that's basically, you know, some of what I mean by, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures when it comes to, you know, victims and how desperately they want help. But um, sometimes, you know, the things that hold them back from help are, are very very real and they are you know really um desperate to find some solutions for for the challenges that you face so all right so that's it from a victim's perspective and I'll just add to that that as I showed signs of becoming proactive in trying to regain some power and control over my life the abuse would always escalate and the things he would do would get worse and more desperate every time I tried to break away. So, you know, again, this is why I always emphasize how important it is to put your safety first. If you are in an emotionally abusive relationship where there has never been any violence, that this is not foolproof okay it's not a foolproof guarantee that in a desperate moment that the abuser might not snap and become physically violent there's just no guarantees of what somebody might do when they lose control or they're in that desperate state of mind so I just want you to keep that in mind okay so the narcissist, you know, they will behave abusively, especially especially when they feel the balance of control being altered, okay? So even in altered in the slightest degree to you gaining back some of your personal power, remember that they are very insecure in themselves and this insecurity drives their need to control others to their own end. So before you try any method, keep your need to stay physically safe at the forefront of your mind, okay, because that is the most important thing. If you don't feel you have the appropriate safe boundaries in place, please seek help and support with this. 
So, yeah, I just, enough of that. I just felt it was really important to cover that. I, I know because I was someone who thought that the type of abuse that I was enduring would not put my physical safety in real jeopardy, but I was wrong. When things get desperate, all bets are off and this was definitely the case as far as my ex-partner was concerned. Now, back to this grey rock method that I mentioned. When you think of a rock, what do you think of? A rock is essentially an inanimate object. It doesn't move. It just sits there where it's placed and is unresponsive to thoughts, feelings and words. So you're not going to ask your partner to be a grey rock or your ex-partner to be a grey rock. You're going to become the grey rock or you're going to give it a try, okay? So this analogy of the rock was formed for this method which is a practice where someone becomes like the rock. Like a rock, non-responsive, boring, doesn't move. What this is called from a psychological standpoint is emotional detachment, which for empaths, which many victims of abuse are, is not easy. Empaths are, are feeling people, they're full of emotion. But like everything, the more you practice doing something, the better you will become with it. So, and it doesn't mean you're going to turn into a narcissist. It doesn't mean that you're going to turn into a sociopath. It just, this is just a, me a method to help you detach and I'll explain why, okay? Doing, doing this can cause the narcissist to grow disinterested and bored because they are not getting the rise out of you that they were hoping for. With the narcissist, it is very much a case of everything being about them. They are very much wanting to be the centre of attention. But what the grey rock method does is it takes away what the narcissist wants, which is more attention. That's why when you feel you are getting baited into an argument, that the best strategy is to give them nowhere to go. Without feedback, it is impossible for them to perpetuate the cycle. That, as I said, this is often easier said than done. So the theory of this method is amazing in its simplicity. But when we are constantly made to feel like we are being backed into a corner, our natural instinct is to fight back, to try and defend ourselves. But a good place to start is to try and catch yourself as early on as possible and try to 
minimize conversations and verbal exchanges as much as you can. Now, I use the grey rock method instinctively without even knowing that that was what I was doing many, many times. I would turn to this stone wall silence and I literally felt like a stone in those moments with absolutely nothing to give. Now, that I know about the grey rock method. I understand that my body automatically knew to do this out of self-preservation. Now, if you do engage in conversation, try and keep everything you say monotone and try to keep to one word answers that you don't elaborate on or give an opinion on. Again, you are like the rock, nothing much to give. If the narcissist persists and continues to try to bait you, you can attempt to use non-defensive body language by smiling or shrugging with a smile. All these methods are here to help you disarm the situation and the narcissist as much as possible. This is the first rule with the grey rock method. It is to disengage yourself. The way to do this is in that initial sense when someone says something hurtful to you to use your self-control not to react by being non-reactive. What this looks like is things like keeping your face neutral. So you've got to have a bit of a poker face. Your tone, boring, okay? So just flat, just flat as a tack. There's no no life in your voice, okay? And your responses, keep them as vague as possible, okay? If you can keep eye contact and respond with super non-committal responses like, mm-hmm, and nothing else you become boring which is the key to them moving on to something else which will stimulate their need to be the center of attention and it, the focus will be off you you might be feeling like giving them a piece of your mind for what they have said but your aim is to stay focused on really doing everything you can to preserve your peace And that outcome comes from disengaging from the damaging interactions. Okay, now the second rule is to stay distracted. And this one, I think, happens quite naturally because we instinctively want to disengage from abusive encounters. So if you have your phone on you, you could start using your phone. Or if that is too antagonistic you could just try and mentally check out and think about someone you love dearly or maybe a pet this helps us to emotionally detach from the person who is being abusive and can help you maybe have a happy thought you may want to defend yourself but remember that you will rarely ever win an argument with a narcissist this is where the saying pick your battles is so relevant 
when you are in an argument with a narcissist, as things escalate, your precious energy will be exhausted in this argument and they won't let you be right. Most of the time, they will try and make you feel guilty for the argument. There is no winning an argument with a narcissist because mutual respect does not exist and kindness is also lost on them. So your aim is to be as boring and unreactive as possible to undermine a narcissist's attempts to lure you in and manipulate you. Remember, the aim is for them to become disinterested. Now, the next thing you need to do is keep it brief, whether it be what you say or what you do with your interactions. Just try and keep them as brief and limited as you can. Use one word sentences like I mentioned before, like the mm mm-hmm. Don't give away anything, okay? Don't reveal anything good, bad or indifferent about your life. Don't make this personal, okay? Remember, you don't want this personal conversation. You want to detach. Don't ask the abuser about their life as much as you might love it to be a DNM where you can gain insights into them and why they do the things that they do. This only keeps the limelight shining on them. So be aloof and disengaged. Now, this might go, you know, directly against the grain. If you are anything like me, I really wanted to understand why my ex-partner thought, said and did the things that he thought, said and did. And so I stayed in the cycle of abuse for a long time because in my heart of hearts, I wanted to understand the why about his behaviours and addictions. But the why kept fueling the fire. I needed to get to the point where I became the grey rock to detach enough to put things into motion for the children and I to break free from the cycle of abuse. The last point about what to do And this one is so, so important. Don't tell them what you are doing. For goodness sakes, just keep the grey rock method to yourself. Don't ever let them know about the method or that you might be using the method, okay? Because if they know this, they can use this to manipulate you and control you. So keep it under your hat at all times. Now, before I finish up, I just want to go back over some of the risks with the grey rock method, okay? Like I said, your safety is the most important thing to consider. So if you try the grey rock method and you find that it is making the abuse escalate, then stop using it, okay? If it is not working and things are going from bad to worse, please don't suffer alone in silence. Reach out and get some help and support. There are many, many supports out there. Domestic abuse services have lots of resources and information to help you. And you know I have a discovery call on me where you can talk over what's going on for you with 
your situation and I will try and help you get the appropriate support. Just know that the work I do is largely for coaching women who are ready to rebuild and to help them to heal through one of my services with either one-on-one coaching or healing sessions, workshops or programs. And all of these things are available through my website. So I emphasize I'm not a counselor, but I can help you work out how to connect with one. So know that I'm there for you, but there are other people, lots and lots of other people who are very specialized in helping with different stages of abuse and depending on what is going on in your situation and what your critical needs are, you'll have need to get support from different people and different organizations at different times. And when you're at high risk, you might have lots of different organizations all working together to try and give you this help and support that you need to stay safe and to navigate out of the out of harm's way, basically. So now I just want to go back to the risk. So, you know, I'm not a counselor, but there are counselors who are very good in this area. Okay. Now, the grey rock method causes you to suppress your needs for love, for validation, and for attention. So make sure you try to have healthy outlets in other relationships to help fulfill these needs for you, okay? And if you're really that isolated, that you're not able to turn to anybody, you know, in your personal circle, whether it be friends or whether it be family, then please reach out, you know, wider, reach out to those people who specialize in this area to help support you through this. We don't want you to be going through this in isolation, okay? You you need to be able to tap into healthy relationships with people who will treat you with the kindness and the respect and the decency that you deserve. So speaking to a counsellor, as I said, is an absolutely fantastic idea when the grey rock method is not working for you. The grey rock method can help many, as I said, but does not always work for some. If it does work for you, it could be a saving grace to your sanity and to you navigating a path to break the cycle of abuse and regain control over your life. And if it doesn't, then seek support. As I said, it's one strategy, but there are many strategies and there are many supports. So please don't give up and please don't suffer alone in silence. So that's it for this three-part series on gaslighting, love bombing, and the grey rock method. I hope that this series has been helpful to you. And um, in the upcoming episodes, I'll be getting back into doing some interviews with some absolutely amazing people. And um, I have a 
few really lovely things that I'm about to launch. One is a workshop um, and another is I've got some some journals which um, I have published on Amazon and I'm going to share those with you too very soon. So until next time, lots of love to you, lots of light to you and stay safe and stay well. Okay, see you. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel but when I turned a corner in my life the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement if you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know 
that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe, Sandy.